episode 17 of Delve Further. That's one more than I thought I'd ever do. This is, uh, you know, reaching heights that I just, I, I have one too many friends, you know, everybody's, you know, thrown in favors, and a good friend of mine, Blake, the esports DM, formerly with the Los Angeles Gladiators, thank you for stopping in. How are you this fine, fine morning? I'm doing pretty good. It's a pretty good morning. Uh, I'm excited to be here. So 17 is a good number. Uh, I just recently recorded my 28th episode of my show. Congratulations. Cool, so Congratulations. Uh, it, it feels good, though, when you when you get to a point and you're like, wow, I never thought I would actually make it this yeah. far. Like, so it's a good feeling. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I think... I think you started just roughly before I started my show. Um, we kind of had a good idea of like, you know, there, there is a missing mm-hmm. element to, to going into people's past and, and, you know, interviewing them in some facet, you, you know, go for those hard hitting, you know, emotional Oprah moments and, you know, your podcast, yeah. the deep dives behind the minds of esports, is is killing it out there. Definitely go out and check Check that, you know, small little plug at the beginning of the show so you don't have to wait to the end to, you know, get on the soapbox. But it, it's quality content. You need to get out there and go check it out. But, uh, you know, I think I you just it. had Anders on from uh, CSGO. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I just had him on. We did it. It's a three-hour long episode. Wow. Uh, and it was it was really like the, the topics that are included in there goes from like depression to like hmm. how does his wife and him deal with him like being gone. Not to mention he has two kids. Hmm. Like uh which like having kids in esports in itself is uh a thing that is like it's a rarity how does that yeah it's, it's a it's a huge rarity yeah. how does that work is mm. it even possible in it some of the stuff that he's <laughs> talked about is like for real like because like one of the things he talked about was hey if i stop taking jobs all the time then people don't hire me as much yeah. so maybe i only want to work 70 percent, but really it gets cut down to like 40 or 50 and then you have a money problem and you have children yeah so can't be you know that it is a you know pick your poison you know do you want to stay home and and spend time with your kids or do you want to put food on the table and you know do you do you kind of leave the dream behind and you 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 stop doing what you've always done to kind of support your family i i can't imagine that that's a situation it's uh i wouldn't want to put myself in at least not just yet it's uh you know it's it's fun oh i don't want kids yeah not not yet 20 years We'll we'll see we'll see what uh, future me looks like about ten five to ten years down the line. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I've hit a, a midlife crisis and I want a a Camaro that's turbo boosted and four kids. Who knows, right? Yeah. But before we get to Camaros and and boosted kids, uh, walk me through exactly what got you into studying mental health and working with mm-hmm. individuals, especially young individuals, on, on you know being better versions of themselves what kind of uh put you down that road and what exactly should i call you because i know that you know uh welding green is a name that maybe we can get into but uh you know it's always a a, a joke with him that you know we can't call him like a sports psychologist he just yeah. studies it or is a trainer in it so yeah um yeah uh, so clarify so my for title yeah, so my title, honestly, my title doesn't, ex- like, there is no professional qualification for my title. That okay. is the first thing that is, like, right out there. There is no requirement for the title that I hold. Okay, quite literally, uh, Joe Schmo from the uh, outside could be like, I'm going to be this, and they are. 
Um, what gives me credibility is actually the experience that I have, which mm. is what really people should be kind of looking at when they're looking at these people. Sure. Like, what experience do they have and where do they come from? And what experience do we actually want? Because right now, there's arguably two uh, two divides of where the experience can kind of come from. It can come mm. from like traditional mental health or it can come from sports. Sure. Um, and those are very, very different beasts, but I think, and that's that's kind of when I'm like always on the soapbox, like this isn't a psychologist. It's important for you to know that this isn't a psychologist because you have certain expectations with a title psychologist. Mm. Okay, and so like titles do matter. Um, mine, I, I go by mental skills coach because I think it's the 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 easiest way to describe what I do, um, it just in the title. Like sure. I'm gonna work with certain skills that you 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 have not uh, like worked on a lot, and I'm gonna help you develop them. So maybe that's communication. Maybe that's uh, handling uh, emotional intelligence. Maybe mm. that's working with people. It's it like a lot of it can be very basic stuff, but you have to remember that esports uh, people a lot of times are very young, mm. and they do not have a lot of life experience. Um, now this isn't true for everyone, uh, but. A lot of the, the, the people that I've talked to over the years or worked with just in gaming in general, that's a, a lot of the case. And so mm -hmm. it's like, okay, um, uh, here's a really, really easy example, taxes, okay? People don't know anything about taxes anyways, okay? But now you throw in the fact that maybe someone's making $100,000, right? okay? And uh, they're also underneath a contract, but guess what? They have tax deductibles. You don't ever learn about tax deductibles. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like maybe having an accountant might help if you do that, but do you know that you need an accountant? Like most people just go to H&R Block and they're like, yeah. oh, here you go, we're all done. Um, but like, <laughs> it's like, it sounds like that's a very, very basic and kind of like I think it a makes, little bit farther make a solid point from what there, I though. do, but but that also puts stress on someone. Like taxes sure. are stressful as, as uh, like, yeah. fuck. Like they're just yeah. super, like, but if you have someone there who's like, hey, listen, don't worry about it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 and this. That also relieves stress. Relieving stress relieves burnout. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you're telling me, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, you know, your job is, and, and, and I don't want this to, to come across as, uh, you know, deductory or, or, you know, boiling down what you do, but it's, it's another one of those positions that, you know, teams can, can bring in to kind of alleviate a lot of these big picture kind of stress issues, much like, you know, bringing in a maid or a cook or just something to yeah. just relieve the burden so much so, so that you're also teaching them skills that they can apply to their everyday yeah. life. So it's not so, just one thing or the other. Yeah. So that's definitely one aspect of it. Another aspect of it might be like, how do you start to communicate with people? What is the mm -hmm. most effective way to communicate with people like just outside? Mm -hmm. um, like every single person that we talk to is a relationship, Sure. right? Uh, it's, it's not always intimate relationships, but every single person is a relationship, which means you need to understand the dynamics of a relationship, mm -hmm. um, how, how to talk, how to bring things up that are hard hitting. How do you bring up uh, topics that might upset someone, mm -hmm. okay? Like learning how to talk and work through those things is like another aspect that I do. Understanding what emotions you actually feel during the day. Most people um, that I talk to just in general don't actually look at themselves and think, oh, what emotions am I feeling on a day? Right. Basis. They're like, I just want to um, click heads, man. Yeah. And so, like, so when you start to recognize that, though, you start to become more aware of it. When mm. you start to become more aware of it, you can start to control it better. Sure. Um, so, so you're not getting uh, overly emotional all the time. Um, I work on some things with, like, uh, goal setting as well as, uh, like, motivation. Like, how do you start to work on motivation? Because motivation isn't just, I'm always going to be at a 10 motivational-wise. Mm. Um, and so how do you start to deal with that um, in moments where it's maybe not as high? Uh, so, like, stuff like that is tend to be uh, what I work with. But your original question was, like, how did I get into it? Sure. Which is uh, totally sidetracked. Uh, 
kind of uh, growing up, uh, I did not like I really turned to video games as an escape mechanism for me. Mm. Um, and that's not true for everyone. A lot of people I've talked to that is and like if you do watch my show, a lot of people that I talk to, it tends to be the case. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was definitely that I come from a, a particularly not so great uh, back life. Um, uh, parents divorce stuff like that sure um, but I so I jumped into video games as more of an escape mechanism because uh, it was just what I did and then I uh, mm-hmm. I start like I did branch out and kind of do more of my my social setting later on um, mm-hmm. especially when I uh, like my 11th to 12th year of high school and then jumping into college um, but when I first went to college I, I wasn't thinking oh I want to go into psychology I think I started off with it just because my, both my parents are actually therapists mm, okay. uh, which growing up with that is terrible <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine as such, you know, being psychoanalyzed on a daily basis, um, yeah. you know, analyzing each other, you know, do you think that that played a lot into where you find yourself in terms of your career at the moment? Was this kind uh, of uh, always something that you were interested in or, or was it maybe just kind of set in motion by your parents? No, no, it wasn't set, kind of set in motion. But okay. Really, really what I like to do, because I didn't get along, uh, I didn't really have a great school life. Like, I wasn't sure. very popular or anything like that. Um, one of the things I was very good at is that there was other kids who were not popular who would just want to talk to me. Mm. Right? Because I was, I was very good at listening. So there would be times where I'd sit down with someone and we would just talk. Mm-hmm. Right? And we would just have a conversation and they would tell me what's going on in their life and very early on i was kind of developing those skills of okay well why don't you tell me more about this like what's going on sure um and i would start to learn like how do i start to uh and i don't even know if i like i don't know if i consciously was like oh i want to learn more i was like it was just i care enough about someone and i want to mm-hmm. i want to see what like can i be someone that can alleviate stress i've always been someone who is more of a if i could save you i will like which isn't always good but like if i can help you i will i will try to help you to some degree as long as like you don't screw me over sure um, or anything like that but i've always been someone who's like listen i i I do want to help you like Mm. i don't know what i can do but if you tell me the whole story i'll have a better idea of maybe what i can do or give you advice on things um and so kind of very early on i was that person that people would talk to and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm okay with not talking and i think that's a really big thing is just letting people talk Mm -hmm. and asking the right questions and i think i'm fairly good at doing yeah so that was kind of like my 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 first start into getting into probably what i do so i go through uh uh high school and i'm going to college and i didn't want to go to college i got tricked into going into college tricked you Uh, got bamboozled huh i i got bamboozled okay so i actually at the time i was playing guitar a lot Mm. um and i i actually wanted to just try to travel and play music because entertaining people is something i've always been just interested in doing Mm. Uh, i played a lot of music growing up um and so i uh my dad uh he's like listen blake you know what you could do you could go to college and you could play music Right. You could you could you could do both. And I'm mm. like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I can Seems put too the good actual, to be true, Dad. I don't I, know. I don't know if I could put the time into music that I want to put into there, because mm. I think at the time I was practicing uh, and I'm not I'm not like that great. Um, but like I've been in a couple bands and I to be honest, I don't think you need to be a great uh, musician necessarily to be in a good band, because uh, I think it's more about entertainment. And the entertainment sure, value. Sure. And so as long as you're not, like, screwing up, you can do some very basic things to sound very good. Mm. Um, so, uh, but I was like, I just want to entertain people, uh, which probably explains, like, the content that I'm actually really enjoying now. But uh, 
like I just want to entertain people but I started going to school and first of all school was much harder than I thought it was because I, I actually went to Michigan Technological University which you might know because you're in Michigan um, and if you never did, heard it in my life shame on you where is it it's in the UP uh, oh so yeah Mich that would Mich that would be why it's actually a fairly famous engineering really? school. Yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I think most people, like, towards... It's not like Ivy League, but... Oh, definitely, you know, totally, you know, it probably is, but I, th I think most people... <laughs> most people in the Lower Peninsula of Michigan just assume the UP is either just, like, a barren wasteland of trees, bears, and, like, a little bit of cheese from, like, Wisconsin, or, like, some sort of, like, regional territory that probably should belong to Canada, but that we oh, just Wisconsin. got in some sort of trade deal in, in like, yeah. the, the 1800s, yeah. right? So, so viewers watching, like, Michigan looks kind of like this, right? It's like, yeah. this is the best. This, we actually use hand symbols. Normally, they have full That's fingers, true. so there'd normally be, like, another piece here, but I cut that <laughs> off. Um, so, normally, you have Michigan like this. I live up here, and where I is... I live down by the like, thumb on his right, yeah. Like, yeah. Like right there, somewhere down. Okay, so no, that doesn't seem that big of a deal, but it's like a twelve and a half hour yeah. drive, and that's driving like seventy five miles per hour. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like it's it's a fairly large distance, so that's that's why they they're almost like two separate states. Like realistically, I think the cultures are a little bit different. Uh, like just living there. So I I went to school up in uh, Michigan Tech, okay. and it's actually a fairly hard school. And it, actually, my orientation, I swear to fucking God, they said this to <laughs> us. They said, look to your left, look to your right. Those people will not be here by the time you graduate because they will fail out. Wow. Yes, which was terrifying. And yeah. it wasn't really uh, a lie. Uh, they do a lot of weeder classes and they, they'll, they'll take anyone almost, but they will try to make them fail out. Within, uh, like, the first, so it's like a for-profit like, kind, of, kind of deal where it's like, we don't really care if you pass, but you paid. So there's that. Yeah. But then there's some prestige behind that too, because okay. most people like if you, if you drop like because there's such a high like dropout rate, mm. uh, the people that do make it, like anyone who looks at it there is like, ooh, you these succeeded. people actually made it. Mm. You made it, right? So, okay, which is kind of a smart thing to do, to be honest. Like, I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted to judge like how well people are doing, I mean, it kind of sucks for the people there because it's expensive too. I think it's the it's the second uh, highest uh, public school in the state of Michigan, and Ew. it's only by. Uh, behind by a little bit uh, hmm. and i swear to god they like they like dollar sign that behind just to say they're not they're not the most expensive <laughs> um uh so uh so i went to michigan tech and it was mm. a lot harder and i started off doing psychology like okay. very initially i was like just because i didn't know what to do and it was a very general thing and i was like i like psychology i like things about psychology maybe this is what i want to do i started going into it and i was like oh don't I don't know if I like this. Mm. Um, I like learning about things, but there's a lot of classes that are just really crappy classes, or I had really bad teachers, mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't really committed either, which didn't help because I didn't want to be there at all. Um, and then I was it was like I was working a lot because I moved out at the same time, and then like I got mono and I was sick for like Ew. two months, and it, it was a bad first year. So I yeah, like partway no through, I end up I end up switching to uh, sound design. Like, oh, okay. Like part, so still kind of within music. Semester. Yeah, so I was like, okay, maybe I'll do this. And so I started mm. doing sound design, and I didn't have any experience, and it was also pretty bad because um, they were not very uh, – if, if there was tipsters, that would probably – it felt like that, okay? It felt okay. like, okay, well, you're not someone who was doing this on your free time all the time, uh, like learning about different audio programs and stuff like that mm -hmm. when you were in high school. And I was like, no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'd like to learn now, though. And it, so you've kind of felt uh, – separated from a lot of people and maybe that was my own social because i i've always been kind of awkward socially because 
Uh, I just want to know about people, and people don't like divulging no, divulging their not lives. Really. Uh, and it's actually funny because that's like where Brian kind of calls me like a mind reader occasionally. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's because when I talk to people, I just want to know about them. Like yeah. I want to know like where are they? What what type of people are they? Like um, I, it's people have this natural tendency to just tell me things. I don't know why. Um, I feel you. Like. Like there was there was a tweet Brian made one time about books because he had he told me man these are all the books that I wish I could read like I wish I had time to do it and I wish I could be uh, like do this other stuff and I was like and I like the next day and he was also drinking a little bit so the next day I was like hey dude this is something you said you want to do you should make sure to do it and then he tweeted about it and I was like dude you just told me like what, I'm not reading minds here you mm-hmm. just you divulge you felt comfortable to divulge things so. Um, so like I I wasn't really fitting in then. Then I switched schools actually and actually went into music education um, to see if maybe that would. And then my teacher there uh, was also it was just terrible. I swear to God, teachers uh, dictate whether how well someone's going to do more than a lot of things. Like if they're just bad teachers, that person might not go into that field. Um, and he basically said, uh, Yeah, listen, you 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 can't afford a good enough instrument. You might as well not be here. You might as well just drop out. Wow. Uh, and it wasn't again not very pleasant so i was like god bless it. and so then i actually switched back schools and started psychology again and i had a couple really really good teachers um that uh one of them was a warden in wisconsin who actually had jeffrey dahmer in his prison anyone who knows jeffrey dahmer he's a serial killer then. um who got murdered inside the prison because mm-hmm. he didn't want security um but he he was a warden for a while and then he actually became a therapist and he had like a double degree in engineering and uh uh social work and he hmm. was doing it was dude is by far one of the biggest aisles I had in my life. Then I had a neuroscientist one uh, who did a lot of research in explaining how learning and memory works, who was another really good teacher that mm. I had. Um, and then I had one that was like uh, like morals and philosophy and stuff like that that was also very – and those like those three teachers are probably the teachers that helped propel me into psychology, like gung-ho is what I want to do. And then League of Legends had come – like I had started playing it in like 2010, which sure. was my second year of college, and really got into it, and that did not help my grades at all <laughs> um, that year. And so um, like I saw that it was kind of blowing up, and I was like, okay, there might be something here. I know that all the video gamers I know, and me included in this, mm-hmm. um, definitely have some some issues. Like – like we have some things that you could benefit from working on so this might be a real thing that could happen in the future um and then weldon green also coincidentally enough had started to come around about the same time Mm. um and i was about i swear to god we had the same exact idea we would have had different approaches handling it but i was like three years too early Mm. from graduating uh or even maybe five years too or uh too late and he was early. Um, so, uh, like, I knew it was a thing. And I remember talking to a friend, and we were both in a League of Legends. I was like, this is going to be a thing. And these are people who are going to be important in the field. Like, mm-hmm. 100%, I could see this being important. Whether or not teams want to pay for it is another thing. Because uh, ROI is something that is important with teams. Sure, sure. And, I do like, it's very, very hard to qualify the ROI of a position like mine. Because um, it's more about... Uh, like helping the players out than results, right? It's more mm-hmm. about like, how do I get them to a better mental standing? And in turn, that should, should result to, in some sort of performance yeah, boost. 
there's there's not a there's not a ton of like oh well we can we can 100 say right. that blake is the reason that they did this okay now you can look at things like um reverse sweeps might be something that might be a measure that you could use on like mental fortitude maybe mm. like how often does a team reverse sweep how often do they not reverse sweep could it be something there um but even then i i'm always very careful about judge like judging stuff like that on mental stuff because you don't actually know mm. it could just be that they they practice bad right like realistically they could they could practice that i'm looking at map five specifically sure. um a lot of teams don't like when they actually do their scrim practice a lot of times they wouldn't practice the map five because you, you only get to practice four or five maps and you probably want to and you're normally splitting maps that being said uh, between the team you're practicing and mm -hmm. so normally you want to practice the first four so you don't get into it like you, you'd rather just not get into a reverse sweep situation exactly so uh, and sometimes what teams would do is two two one and the one would be the the, the game five mm. um to kind of practice so they're very realistically there could just be a correlation with how often do you get time on map fives right hmm so uh but like so but that's the thing it's always correlation right it's Definitely. not like you have you have a causation and one of the biggest things you learn about statistics is correlation is not equal causation mm. now someone like eden or maybe uh, uh Baroy probably sure. can find a very good way because they know significantly more about statistics than i do mm. um but i'm just always very uh, anytime someone mentions mentions mental stuff unless a player has said that this is an issue i'm always very leery about uh kind of making that assumption um because that might not be fair and it mm -hmm. like uh it might not be blaming the the correct person right sure. so like, let's, if you were to look at like mayhem right now is it a mental issue i don't know yeah, it could, could be, be. Uh, it hard could to be, say but does there are more objective things you can look to first exactly that you should look to first mm -hmm. right like it could just be that they're they play bad like it could have been that they had bad practice on a map like i feel like you should hit the objective things first and stuff related to mental you should be doing stuff about sure um but you just need to be very careful about blaming that because mm. um, realistically whether or not you have a good emotional state if you practice something enough um you can be in a very upset mood like let's say that your parents get very mad at you and you get really upset does that mean you throw shit no like you have enough control over yourself, even when you're emotional, to not make poor decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's not like your your decision capacity just goes out the window. It is influenced. I'm just silently um, writing notes. Okay, do not throw shit when angry. Gotcha. All right, Blake says yeah. don't do that. Free advice. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, back to your. <laughs> I'm really bad at getting. Out of no, 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 no. So, I I just so, let you go. Okay, so um, so I was doing this in in college, and I was like, this is gonna go up, and so I I mm. go through college, um and i am like actively trying to pursue esports towards like the end of my college career i was also sure. working in mental health my first job was i was working with the uh oh god what is it called i was working with kids who were uh ha having a lot of truancy issues okay. um, and it was a, a kind of like a children's home almost where they would go in there and try to almost re rehabilitate mm -hmm. and so we do a lot of groups and so that was like my first experience and i won't lie i personally do not care to work with kids between the ages of like 10 and 15. uh that is just don't really enjoy that age group Fair i don't enough. know if it was the the children who were in there and mm -hmm. the extreme that because that's a very extreme population definitely uh, and so like it like drug use uh mm. uh fighting uh, i had one kid who uh who threw a padlock through a window because he was upset like to put it in perspective all right uh and so like uh that a was a very rational. extreme group of uh yeah i mean young <laughs> yeah what do you don't know any better yeah, that, raised in poor situations you know yeah, yeah. can't necessarily I, blame them too much 
No, no. A lot of it's their parents. And yeah. that was actually the biggest thing I didn't like about working with kids is quite literally a lot of it was their parents and you couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Like they were getting a lot of the blame for what their parents were doing. Right. Like if their parents were drug dealers, guess what? They had a pretty problem. Yeah. More, it's probably more, not that likely. That high, high probability that you've probably done some pretty, you know, bad things yeah. just because of the environment that you're put in. Right. Like. Yeah. And so I, I don't really like working with things that are hel helpless. Like where sure. there's literally like you're, you're, so I did that for a while. Then I was doing, um, I did some parenting classes for, uh, like, uh, uh, different things related to like domestic violence mm. and stuff like that. I did, I did, uh, some d uh, domestic violence classes. Sure. I did parent visitation for a while and I started contracting. Uh, after that job, I ended up doing a lot of contract work. Um, for it was actually my parents firm for a while um and i was working with them and i very quickly started to take over a lot of the stuff that they were not good at mm. um which is like business related stuff and like organizational stuff and research stuff and doing a lot of the the groups and stuff they were very good at therapy but outside of therapy that was not their strong suit mm. um and so uh very early on i started doing that and like uh very early on i was looking at contracts and how do i uh review a contract and what's wrong about a contract what mm -hmm. verbiage should i care about in a contract and i'm no lawyer um but i know for my contract with gladiators i was able to find all of the mistakes that i didn't like for my for okay. my lawyer so, you, so you've you've got you can find I, your way around a contract you know you some legalese I, i'm okay Okay. okay. I think that I would I would always have a lawyer of to course. check me, but I I feel fairly confident in being able to understand what is going on with a uh, with a contract. Uh, so like I was very early on doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I started working in a jail for a while doing groups, and a lot of my my experience is actually doing group work, changing uh, value systems. And that, if you had to go to anything that I like really do is I try to change value systems in people because mm. at our core we're run by values. So any decision you make to some degree is based on a value that you have. Whether or not you want to consciously um, admit to it or not mm -hmm. it is based on a value that you have you don't do things without it being semi around your values and if you do things that are against your values then most of the time you have to justify them or use some other defense mechanism to make it fit within the mold of what you're thinking is right okay and so i work with people on like that that if you had to pick like the core thing that i do it's it's probably that it's i mm -hmm. work on value change mm -hmm. um which is it doesn't really change for people it's just what kind of because the values lead to decisions that they make, right? And so that doesn't, the values themselves don't really change, just the decisions that they make. And so mm -hmm. I was working with people in jails for a while, um, a lot with drug addiction, um, Native American populations. I started doing like trainings. I did, I actually spoke for the National Drug Court Conference uh, wow. in DC. Uh, cool. done some other contract work. And so I was going through this and I was working on, like on a mental health career uh, doing that. I also started my master's and got like halfway through with it. Um, and then I decided to drop out to pursue esports more often, but mm -hmm. I do have like a three A GPA, so it's not wow. like I just dropped out. So I was very, very good. Um, so uh, I, I was doing that, and I, at the same time, I was working at esports. So like, there's two mm -hmm. different like two different works I was doing. Uh, I started working in amateur League of Legends, working with some teams. Um, like basically, no. By the way, like the scene for like amateur stuff. I think across the board is just a mess. It is terrifying yeah. what teams, uh, how teams try to screw over people and mm -hmm. act like they're not. Like it is terrifying. It, um, do you think it's more of just unintentional? Like this is how business works, or is it? Do you think it is more underhanded? Like a little bit more scummy. So what you're talking about is motivation, and like what is the motivation for screwing someone? I don't yeah. care. Like realistically. Fair enough. 
the the motivation whether it's uh negligence mm-hmm. or active they're both bad to me like the, sure i don't not. think the motivation really matters that much um and especially when you're offering like if, like if you're offering a, a salary mm-hmm. to some degree like you're actually paying people then to some degree i can kind of understand like hey listen maybe we're taking a risk on you about you're getting some money it's not like you're, but when someone is like no we're not paying you salary and then um, here we'll are all these for, other we'll, stipulations we'll pay for your flight but we're gonna take your prize money right like i'm just like what are you doing that like, seems are, and like, yeah or like Fortnite. it's a, that's a huge deal right now that mm. people are kind of talking about is the fact that they have such a huge prize pool that taking any of that price pool or a large percentage of that price pool, like 50%, mm-hmm. in the hopes that some random kid might win, <laughs> what is it, $300 million? Like, that's $150 million they're looking to take from you. Like, yep. that should be in, like, the percentages. Um, uh, so, like, stuff like that you end up seeing. And I, I don't know if it's negligence or active pursuit. Like realistic, I, I, I just don't care. That's right. I, to, like they shouldn't do it anyways. Um, and so like there was a lot of that. I, I never, because I knew contract work, I actually remember helping players, some players out and I like, recommended them to people who could help them with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I was working in the amateur scene for a while doing that. And then I got introduced to uh, some people from Robert Morris University, which okay. is in Chicago. Um, and it's fairly well known for their yeah. uh, like esports scene and actually having like esports scholarships and stuff like that. Um, and so I got introduced to, uh, to them, um, mm-hmm. and I went down to, to worlds, I think it's 2016 that I went down for, for worlds in Chicago where, uh, C9 got Sounds note blasting, which was right. hilarious because the note was blowing up at this time. Okay. Um, so, uh, but so we were down there and I, I met a bunch of people, uh, there. Um, I met some people from, uh, ETA, uh, who is a agency that works a lot in esports. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people there actually was doing work at RMU, and he was like, hey, listen, um, I'm working with Heroes of the Storm. Do you want to come in and uh, give me some a hand? Because I have some, like, he's, some stuff was not going very well, and he right. needed help. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come in and see what I do. And I helped him quite a bit, and from there I got signed to ETA. Because I, I would say that it's fairly rare to get signed to an agency unless you have, like, a an contract in front of you. Sure. Yeah, like, well, like, like, because their job is to try to place you in place and they need to know that you're skilled enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's nothing there to kind of show them, then it's very hard to place you into an agent, like very realistically. Um, so uh, so they actually signed me very early on. A lot of it had to do with like the work that I did with uh, RMU and helping them with mm-hmm. their Heroes of the Storm team. Cool. So like I'm, I'm getting into Heroes of the Storm and I, I worked with them and I helped them uh, for a couple seasons. And at that time I actually, st- actually started, that's when I started to pull interviews. Um, from actual League of Legends teams, okay. uh, like I was, I was pulling interviews from like CLG. Team Liquid interviewed me. Um, I had very, very brief conversations for the League of Legends side of Fnatic um, back in like 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. um, and so I was uh, kind of doing uh, or 2017, 2018, um, and so I was, I was doing those, and I actually made most of those interviews to the last round. And I was, I was so disappointing. Aww. Like, y- you go through like three interviews, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, right, here we go. Like, there's time to go. time to get in. Uh, yeah, finally. And then you're like, nope, no. Uh, and some of that was my own shortcoming. I'm very kind of impatient, and sure. so w- it's, this is a very kind of shortcoming of, of me. And I know mm. this, and it's something I've worked on since then. But if someone tells me, hey, we'll get back to you in uh, a week, okay. 
as soon as a week goes by, I'm it's emailing like, them. Hey, like, oh, hey, what's going on? I just on? want you to know I'm still interested in the position. Uh, I I think that we had a lot of the things that we connected on that we could be good. And some people said that that was an issue. And I'm like, for me, I'm thinking, can't can't you be on a good time scale? Is it that hard to right. say something to follow through with that? Which maybe is a wrong approach uh, how <laughs> things are but like for me it's i'm very ocd about timing kind of and like being on time and so okay. part of that is probably uh from there and so i was i was still working in uh contracting a little bit but then uh the counseling firm actually kind of dissolved uh when my parents divorced mm. uh which was uh very unfortunate uh but when that happened i actually i saw an opportunity and i basically started my own counseling firm um and that's that's where I got mine. Like I hired employees. I have a therapist who works for me, uh, and I handle completely all the business side, all the uh, all of the stuff that we decide to invest our money in, all mm -hmm. the trainings and all of that. And I was doing uh, primarily that. And I was like, I got it in my head that that the the best idea for esports, um, and this was even before I started working with gladiators, was it'd probably be good to have a performance coach there kind of looking at the overall structure, working with players, working with staff. This is a big difference that you don't see. Most of the time, they don't work with staff, mm. uh, which is, That's I think, true. something yeah. that is You don't needed. really see that often, yeah. So I think the best the best thing would be to, to actually bring someone in third party, okay? So you just, you're going to contract them in probably. If you want to employ them, that's fine, but you have very strict understandings of what their rules are. Mm -hmm. um, and a performance coach doesn't have the same uh, confidentiality issues that a therapist does. Therapists, I think you almost have to bring in contract with very strong contract stipulations of uh, information sharing. Uh, which is, I, I think you can bring in a therapist like that, but if you're not doing that, then I, I'm very leery because you have issues with uh, confidentiality in regular mental health. Mm -hmm. And that's a field that's supposed to be good at it, and it's right. a big issue still. Um, like, and the the issues are pretty big. The only difference is, is that you know when you're in a mental health institution, kind of they have to post their 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 the HIPAA laws, like all the and all the things that can happen if someone breaks confidentiality. That that is something that's mandated to be posted, so that way clients know, hey, listen, um, if I feel like someone did this, I can go to this, this, and this. Okay, um, so. To some degree, uh, it terrifies me in a field that doesn't know mental health that well mm -hmm. uh, to be having uh, therapists on uh, staff. So third party, I think, is a good way to do it so that way the therapist can maintain all of their roles. So the idea would be you bring in a performance coach who works more directly with the team. Then you have a therapist who works with all the players and staff. Like, I can't. I can't say that enough. They need to work with both. Like, no. it can't just be yeah. players. I, okay. Like, I agree with you staff need help too and they like communicating and stuff like that and so basically you'd use the performance coach to kind of watch everything monitor things make sure the organization is good kind of sure. talk to uh gauge stress levels burnout how that's all going um help give recommendations people don't have to follow the recommendations but at least it gives them mm -hmm. an idea of what's going on um and i think that that's generally how it kind of should be um and i don't think it's there yet um hmm. Maybe Mayhem might actually be the closest, but I don't know how they're running it, and especially because they're divided over Europe and LA right now. Right. Um, with uh, Robert Yip, uh, so I don't know how his schedule is. But if I were in his position, I would probably do two weeks one place, two weeks another place. Mm. Uh, and that's I think that that would be the best way to probably do it. And two weeks might even be too long. Like realistically, a lot can happen in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it might even be like every other week you're you're living in different places. You're you're living once in Europe and you're living in uh, uh, L.A. Because he's uh, doing and, both the Misfits League of Legends yes. team and their their Overwatch League team as well. Yes. Yes. To my knowledge, that is what he is doing. Pretty, and, pretty and difficult. That, 
it, there's lots of questions that I have that maybe he's figured out solutions for. But like a good example is how do you work with a full Korean roster? Do you speak Korean? Because if you don't speak Korean, I'm wondering what work are you actually doing there? Like you could right. definitely work with some of the staff that maybe speak English, but working through a translator um, seems is, almost hard, hardly effective. In actual mental health, like looking at therapy, it is mm. an issue. Like yeah. it's it's a very very great area. On like, can you use a translator? Because that translator really needs to be skilled in mental health in mm -hmm. order to be able to translate correctly. Um, like what is kind of going on and they have to be a very good translator and then they also have to follow underneath HIPAA laws because like I mean that's for therapy so non-therapy which is Robert Yip is not a therapist he's a performance coach our uh, psychological consultant or he's not a therapist okay and I, I say therapist instead of psychologist because psychologist is one path of therapy mm -hmm. yeah, there's actually like three different paths of therapy or four different paths of therapy you could technically go down right you have social workers counselors uh, psychologists okay. or even uh, master's level psychology uh which is not a psychologist you need to have a doctoral degree in the united states yeah we we talked about that once before not to go on another tangent but like there are some absolutely crazy stipulations to me yes. to become either like a sports psychologist an actual psychologist um no, the same same thing That's yeah, in the United States, they are uh, basically the same thing. You need to have the, if if you're going to be a psychologist, you're a psychologist. Okay, mm -hmm. if you want to if you want to um, have uh, like a background in sports and working with sports, you can throw sports on there. Otherwise, you could just call yourself a psychologist. Like to my knowledge, there isn't any rules on like the the first uh, the prefix that you want to okay. use. I think it's prefix. Yes, uh, grammar's yes. not my pre, strong suit, pre, but pre, the prefix pre. like sport, uh, uh, maybe addiction. Uh, to my knowledge. Which is something I probably should check on later. The prefix, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, mm. um, the psychologist part, like that bracket, that's important. Specific thing. Right. That's the okay. important thing. So I, first of all, I don't like when people say psychologist. They should just say therapist, because uh, the only thing a psychologist can really do that other therapists can't do is certain uh, testing requirements. Okay. Um, like a good example is like the MMPI, which is a, a large scale. Uh, uh, personality uh, inventory, which kind of looks at maybe different issues you have. It can screen for like bipolar, borderline, mm. um, stuff like that. And that's useful because you need medication to handle a lot of those things. Not borderline, but like bipolar, you need sure. medication for. Yeah. Schizophrenia, you need mm -hmm. medication for. And so it, it, it is useful, but it's very, very niche. And most of the time, um, probably not needed in a, you would just go to a psychologist for that. Like mm -hmm. you would never have a psychologist on, because the amount of money that you're probably paying is significantly more for a psychologist. Right. Like psychologist minimum salary out of school is like $120,000 they can get, like very easily. And that's if they don't want to like move places, mm -hmm. okay? And you can get a therapist for like 60, 70. Okay? <laughs> just that's like, one without some testing, you know? Yeah. Why not? And, and you can, the thing is though, if you need that testing, you can just send them to a psychologist and, and pay get the $500. Testing so yeah. you're paying $60,000 and $500 or $60,500 mm -hmm. uh, to, to get the same thing, basically. So, yeah, I, I don't like that we use psychologists so freely sure. uh, all the time. It really bothers. So I was I was working with uh, RME for a while, and then I started up, like, working the counseling firm and owning it and taking it over and mm -hmm. doing all of our investment or all of that stuff and setting up how we we're going to do things. Um, and I was looking at getting into telehealth therapy as well. Uh, and about that time, uh, Gladiators actually, like my agent reached out, hey, listen, this uh, Overwatch team wants you to kind of get involved with them. And so I was like, oh, sure, let, let's, let's see what it is. I'm okay with working with any eSport. I, For my position, I don't think the eSport actually matters that much. No, I would, um, it would make sense. Because so It's about the, the people. Like, it's not about the in-game mechanics and all the nuance yeah. there. 
There is some uh, things related to the game. Like a good example is like Fortnite, the way people react to like uh, end circle. Uh, okay. or BRs in general. Like, sure. the end circle effects that it has on the person is actually slightly different. And the same thing with, like, League of Legends, how fast-paced the game is mm. compared to, like, uh, or not League of Legends, Overwatch compared Overwatch. to League of Legends. Right. Uh, how fast-paced and how much focus you need to maintain all the time is another thing that's kind of different. Like, in League of Legends, you have downtime. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're coming back from base, you have a good, what, 20 seconds that you can relax to some degree and look and just breathe, okay? Overwatch doesn't really have those moments. It's like a constant team fight for two hours. Yeah. Right. And that's, that, so there are some differences there, but a lot of, like, I would say that, like, probably like 80 to 90% uh, is basically the same. Mm. Um, and so you can, you can learn those, those differentials as you kind of like work with the game. Okay. I think that is a very realistic thing to, to kind of do. So uh, I obviously got interviewed about gladiators, did, went through the inner process and they hired me and then I drove out and then, that's how I got to esports. Very long <laughs> tangent. No, but it, it's it's interesting because you know we we all have these little you know interesting winding roads and um you 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 go and you you work with RMU and I remember them kind of coming up as the, you know the the bastion of collegiate esports you know coming yeah. out and having their own facility and you know look guys this is the future of collegiate esports and then you know you know meeting you through Overwatch and then hearing that you went and and did work with them and there was here's mm -hmm. the storm team and a little bit with the League of Legends team like that's that's really cool things and it's that small village that you know somehow some way like we've all kind of not yeah. cross paths but like at least heard of like something that one of us has done before right like there there's familiarity with the, with kind of everybody's story um one thing in terms of you know something that's very familiar is um i was introduced to psychology i guess like was something that was interesting to me you know in high school but i never really like pursued it and you know you hear about freud this that the other thing but one that was kind of introduced to me in esports was young um yeah walk me through if if you know you're you're comfortable to speaking about it like some of your favorite psychologists um oh, young God. seems to be like one that's very prevalent in esports i know like monty and thorin very much into Jungian, um, you know, psychology. If I'm even, you know, quoting him as being a psychologist, is, uh, hopefully yeah. that's correct. Um, you know, just kind of getting into psychology for a second, you know, what are some of your favorite, you know, studies or, or psychologists? Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I tend to be more uh, probably behavior focused okay. than uh, a lot. Of so, um, like feelings are important, but I, I tend to like if you were to look at like psychology. And I had to look because I don't remember names. Because guess what? When you don't study psychology anymore, <laughs> it doesn't. It, it just doesn't, doesn't stick. Matter. Yeah. It, well, like I don't need to know who made R E T. Sure. Like sure. Uh, but Albert Ellis is one. He made rational emotive behavioral therapy. Um, Carl Rogers Skinner, B F Skinner. So a lot of the uh, behaviorists and how to handle behaviors and how to mm. start to change in uh, work behaviors. Um, feelings uh, are cool. I don't really like Freud. Uh, and mm. most people, when you start to study psychology, they kind yeah, of... Yeah, I have heard of, that. Like, they, they, they stray away from, like, oh, he was, yeah. you know, kind of weird, he like, had, a little bit. He had, some, he had some adolescent stuff that was okay, but he also stole a lot of stuff from uh, Aristotle, right? Like, a lot of mm. his... Um, uh, his uh, his um like his major id ego and super ego is basically the same thing as aristotle's uh, pathos egos and logos okay right 
I think it's what it is. Uh, fucking trying to remember. <laughs> uh, but so uh, uh, I don't particularly like Freud. I think he helped start a mu- movement, but that's Definitely. basically all I would look at him for because he was also a cocaine addict. Like the, the dude just did cocaine all the time and he thought at one point – because he was, a, I'm pretty sure he was a medical doctor too. He believed that the cure for everything was cocaine. Okay, like this is what we're talking about okay. here. Uh, and so, generally, Freud is not someone who I would cons- like. He he started a very good movement, and some of the people who worked underneath him actually went to do uh, uh, kind of good things. But uh, like, generally, you so don't so just you're take saying from- he's overhyped, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. He's, he's 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 like the famous one because he was insane. And sure, sure. Like, oh, psychology because he was like one of the four like fathers of mm-hmm. like psychology, you could say, um, and one of the really big, probably famous names in psychology. I think that's everybody. Um, that's that's the name you go to. That's the Einstein of psychology yeah. in a way. Yeah, which is awful, but <laughs> so it is. Um, so generally, my. I've never thought that you should take from one idea system. I think that's sure. generally a bad way to kind of approach things. So you kind of take little things here and there, right? Like you can't say, like Skinner would have said, it's all about uh, environment, right? Mm-hmm. It's com- like almost all about, you can train any sort of behavior and you get some very interesting studies that can kind of prove that, that guess what? You could probably train um, almost anything. Um, and that's probably not wholly true. Like there are, there's definitely some genetic stuff there. Sure. For, anything related to coaching i think talking about genetics is functionally pointless Mm -hmm. um or like natural talent i think that if you're in any sort of coaching position talking about natural talent is probably useless um because you never want to be like oh this kid just has natural talent so why are you there like what's the point like why even have what's your job then we should just get all the talented people yeah so i don't i don't like there's probably some aspect of natural, and it's also something I don't know how you measure it. Like, which percentage of this person's talent is natural versus they put in an insane amount of hours when they were 14 doing 15-hour yeah. uh, days in the right practice situation? Um, and there's a lot. There's a lot that shows that. Guess what? You can practice to some level of proficiency. Sure. Like at a very, very, very high level of proficiency. Um, maybe it's not the best of the best, mm-hmm. but like. That could be just very little things in an environment. So, but generally, you tend to pull from all these different areas of psychology. I don't know if I really have a, a favorite. Like, I don't go back and I have favorite theories. Like, REBT is probably my favorite, like, psychological theory, which is rational mode of behavioral therapy. It's basically dealing with the way that we handle emotions and behavior and how to start to uh, change those. And mm. so, that, if, if anything, it's probably I, I more have a uh, therapy or sure. a, a theory section that I like the best because I think it works most of the time around most things and Mm -hmm. there are small deviations from that and you can you can add in other things to it in order to make it work very very interesting yeah it it seems like uh psychology there are people who kind of fall under a school of you know a a certain professor or a certain you know very very prolific psychologist and and there are some like you mentioned you know that just take pick and choose and and apply it to their you know skill set that that works for them and and what they're doing um previously you mentioned value systems and that's being one of the the big things that you kind of work on with players and and you know a lot of your clients um when it comes to esports and hopefully I'm understanding this correctly, where would you find that uh, the value systems most need to be changed? Where, What value do you think most often comes up repeatedly that you, you find yourself having to constantly go in and tweak and, and change perspectives for the players and, and or tr- at least try to help facilitate that kind of change? Hmm. So I think most of the time people have a value system that they definitely want 
Okay, okay. But it's not something that they're maybe always doing. So like, let's mm. I'm gonna use the example. Let's say you want to be a good teammate. Okay, that's a value that you have. You I want to be, be a, a good, good teammate. Good yeah, yeah. You want to be good. Now let's say that you're not talking uh, or you're you're uh, shutting down and you are uh, like you're when you get upset you you kind of like shut down and you stonewall, which is a defense mechanism that you have built up because you don't want to deal with things. Okay, so you, you just shut down. You're just like oh, start breathing deeply and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. Now the problem is you have you have a behavior that's going on that goes against your core value. So how are you justifying that in your head? Mm-hmm. Okay, like because some in some way you need to justify why this is acceptable. Okay, and your brain in some way is justifying it for you. And so what I would do is I go and be like, wait, so Joe, you want to you want to be a good teammate, don't you? Yeah, I, I, you I do. Yes. Okay. Okay. So uh, what what do good teammates do? Well, we talk. We want to communicate. But I'm not okay. doing that. Yeah. And so so now what I've done is I've I've taken something that you've been trying to avoid and mm -hmm. I forced them to hit each other. Right. Okay. And I force them to slam and see what actually comes through. You know what, Joe? If you don't want to be a good teammate, then that's fine. I just want you to be honest with yourself about it. Like, mm -hmm. if you're not going to be a good teammate, then that's fine. But at least have the courtesy to yourself not to lie to yourself about right. what you're doing. Like, be like, listen, I don't actually want to be a good teammate. Um, I like the idea of it, but I don't actually really want to be a good teammate. Because mm -hmm. I, I much prefer uh, shutting down and not actually having to deal with issues. There we go. Like right. that's that's kind of how that like that would be an example of like what it can kind of look like sometimes. Um, I don't know if there's anything that's super common. Um, but probably like actually recognizing feelings just in general. Like that. I don't know if that's esports related or just in general. People don't like feelings. Feelings kind of suck. Um, and so that's like very realistic. Like people don't want to talk. About yeah, but we have a certain feelings. German friend that really loves feelings. You oh know? yeah. He absolutely yeah, so. just adores, you know, how, how people feel and Oh yeah. And then talking about how, how human everybody is all the time and yeah. if if only they could be robots. If only. Right. If only I we mean, could just be stat crunchers and talk I don't, about I won't lie, model. being robots being robots would make life easier. Like <laughs> What it I don't know. I think it'd be be kinda I wouldn't have unfun. a job. Well I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. It would definitely be easier. Like <laughs> Like everybody has some sort of logic system, you know, yeah. encoded in them. Tilting, tilting is another thing you see sometimes. I, sure. Okay. I I define tilting. I think very much very differently. Than most other people. Okay. That we I can think definitely. That, so get most into people, that. most people define tilting as kind of like oh, someone gets upset and they just kind of like but they don't I, make decisions. I, okay. So let me let me just kind of guess just to see if I have yeah. a good read on this. It's it, it's not just upset, but it's any kind of emotional response. Correct. Yes, okay. it, it's very much that. So it doesn't have to always be negative either, which right. is just the most common one that people do. Uh, so it's any time an emotional response starts to dictate your decision making. Right. Yes. Okay. And so a good example of this in like the positive aspect is like relationships. Like when you see someone who you find very attractive and you start dating. Okay. Most of the time, people because of the overwhelming like emotions of like, oh my god, this feels so good, they actually ignore like a significant amount of red, red flags. flags. That they Love is blind they should, type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so they're they're literally like blinded by love, or they have like I call them rose colored glasses. Like sure. They're, they're literally they their vision is distorted, and they're mm -hmm. making poor decisions based on that. And so like that's one aspect. They or like the so hot hands fallacy, where it's just like, oh, I'm I'm playing so yeah. good today. Okay. Like I can, you know, I'm I'm positively tilting my gameplay because I'm just feeling super good and making decisions that I shouldn't be. Yeah, and that's okay. another thing is, and that's something you see quite a lot actually. Is like, mm. oh, they're 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 on fire. They're doing this, and there are unless things have changed because I don't like I don't go through a ton of research uh, as much anymore as I used to, mm -hmm, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, 
but unless things have changed, like hot hands fallacy is quite indeed a fallacy. Like there is no statistical yeah. evidence that, oh, hey, people uh, shoot better or people play better. Like you feel better. That's, you definitely feel maybe, better. Maybe but, you're maintaining some sort of confidence level that keeps your yeah. skill in check that, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a kind of a, uh, a standard there and but yeah. but the spiking too high in one area is going to cause the other area to kind of dip so uh, yeah it, so and yeah. like there's some there's like uh maximum skill performance and stuff like that that sure. you can get into and i've always found that like, if you look at like a game like overwatch mm -hmm. um it is like flow like you, you hear about flow all the time and flow is definitely they're starting to say that it's a, a real thing from some of the research that i've looked at mm. um but it's also very hard to get into, and it requires things like stable variables. And if you think about a game like Overwatch, guess what? Not stable a lot of variables are stable variables very rarely happen. If you just look at the patch schedule, like yeah. just looking at that makes everything kind of like unlikely. So you're better off learning how to play not in a flow state than in a flow state. And if you hit a flow state, cool, right? But realistically, you're never going to be able to count for all the variables that are happening there. And part of it is when you get into a flow state, you're kind of running automatically. And the only way you can ever run automatically is if you've practiced something enough that it becomes an automatic response. Mm -hmm. And if things are changing, you can never practice them enough to get an automatic response. Like, yeah, like, have it works in Overwatch. Do you, th I, I don't know that we'll ever get to that point. Maybe if we start to really make standardization across the board whether it's like a 222 lock you know very strict okay. map changing you know seasonal based you know big move yeah. big kind of roster not roster I, moves but like gameplay I, I, changes okay. I, I don't think okay so let's i don't know and i don't know what it <laughs> yeah. means. like honestly like let's say that you let's let's use a very very good example let's say you remove brigida from the game sure right you you nerf her so she's gone how does that change the meta and for how many weeks does it change it Mm -hmm. Like, can you figure it out in, in 10 weeks? Is that something that's, can you completely figure it out to a point where you have automatic responses in 10 weeks? Probably not. I, I don't think so. Uh, so, uh, but like, but also is that what they need to do to keep the game uh, popular? So they have like very, very different things that you're looking at there. Exactly. Like what keeps the game popular? Cause they need to make money. Cause it's still a business. Of course, like, at the end of the day. Is, it's at the end of the day, all of this is business. Teams are businesses. Uh, Developers uh, are business. Yeah, Players it's, are it's their own business. Money. It's all based on money. Sure. Okay? Yeah. As much as we don't want to talk about it, it's based on money. And so, like, if that hurts the the developers' uh, bottom line, why would they ever do that? Like, no. so it's something we have to keep in mind. You know, it, there there is competitive integrity. There is you know trying to have uh, the best environment for the players but that can't come into conflict with that bottom line so it's this this agreement this this mutual no. some sort of beneficial agreement that we have to kind of fall upon and sometimes that's not necessarily the best for the competitive side yeah. of things but regardless it doesn't seem like there's something that's just commonly you know applied to players there's not something that just kind of like jumps out at you as like a common value system that you, you have to change a lot it it tends to be player individualized like mm -hmm. it, it's completely individual to a player and kind of what a player's uh went through so like a uh, good example is like uh, I, I obviously don't know jake very well i've talked to him here and there sure. but jake is very much different than uh like uh, xqc for instance right xqc like those issues that those two players are going to have very and their values completely different spectrums right or if even if you look at someone who is uh very uh 
uh, socially not willing to like leave their shell. They're very introverted. Mm-hmm. They don't like to go out and talk, right? Jake compared to one like someone like that again is a very very extreme. Okay, yeah. like because you have to uh, tailor how, how you and, yeah what what kind of skills you have to help them with for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like uh, dealing with emotions. This is probably a pretty big one um, mm. across the board, just because okay. people don't like to do it. Um, and they uh, communicating a lot of times can be like people don't really learn like this is not just esports and I, I think that's a big thing is, is a lot of this stuff isn't just esports just like life we want to be special of. little snowflakes in esports like oh look at us <laughs> look we're, at us we're, we're playing here. games I'm, guys yeah we're we're special I, I'm mm-hmm. sorry you're not that special okay human beings in general are very much uh, similar across the board okay mm-hmm. like there are there are a few few people who are uh, maybe out, outliers in that situation sure but. Most people are very, very similar in the way that they handle it. It's like defense mechanisms don't really change. Okay, you have people who have stonewall. You have like uh, people who shut down. You have people who like to make jokes when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Defense mechanisms are across the board. It's like maybe that's something. Like a lot of times dealing with defense mechanisms and how do you control them and stuff like that um, tends to be something I work with players on. And every player is different because um, it depends on like the like why are they doing this? Sure. Is it because they can't handle emotions and so. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of changes individual uh, defense mechanisms is a big one. Communicating is a big one. Mm. Um, like, and in their head, they they do have a value system that they want to do. Like, sure. I, I don't think I don't think most people are, like even drug addicts. Like, having worked with drug addicts for a while, they're not thinking, oh, I really want to uh, lock my child in a in a in a closet and shoot up. Like, in their head, what they're thinking is, hey, I want to be a good parent, so I better not let my child see me doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they put them in the closet. Okay. As as extreme as it is, there is like some sort of thought yeah. behind it. They, they have to justify it in some way. Right. Like their brain says, "Okay, we want to do drugs." Okay, uh, how do we do drugs while still maintaining being a good parent? Put our kid in the closet. Makes it it doesn't make sense to us because we're right, but we're not we're to, not a drug yeah. addict that's you know looking yeah. to shoot up. So well, it's hard yeah. for us to kind so, of look from that perspective. So most of the time, people have a general idea of like what type of person they want to be. Sure. And it's like, uh, what? How badly are they like justifying or deviating from that? What are they doing to uh, like make sure that that stuff is fine, acceptable to them? Like, how are they shifting it so it goes through their filter and makes sense? Mm. Like, how does how does it bypass the filter of oh, this is a bad decision, right? Would you say that? oftentimes you you you, would you call yourself a professional hole poker like a professional like hypocrite finder where it's just like listen you say you want to be this great teammate but you're not talking or you you say you want to be like this leader but you keep making jokes at everybody's expense when things go bad like what's up with that why do you why do you keep doing that do you find yourself kind of doing that a lot yeah, that is something that I, it's funny, like all my private clients, one, like the very first session when I work with like private clients mm-hmm. is like, listen, I'm going to let you know this right off the bat. Uh, you might find me to be an asshole sometimes. Okay. It, to some degree, my job is to kind of be a professional asshole. Yeah. Okay. And that's okay. Like I'm going to point things out that you do not want to hear anytime that I feel like you are lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, that's kind of what my job is. And you know what? If you do that, you can, you can swear, you can call me names. That's fine. I'll deal with that. I will still work with you. Like, if you get really upset, I'm okay with all that. As long as you don't threaten to kill me. Uh, I, it's happened to me, and I particularly don't enjoy it. I can't imagine. Uh, so, uh, like, as lo- like anything else, totally fine. Uh, but I- I'm going to do this. And mm-hmm. this is something you can ex- – I'm letting you know right now you can expect this. Because um, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not pushing you to be the person that you exactly. actually want to be. And that's kind of a, a sign of a good coach. You know, you hear about it, you hear about it in coaching all the time that, that a coach doesn't or it shouldn't 
put you in comfortable situations. They need to be pushing you at every avenue and, and yep. challenging you to be the best, not only, you know, player at whatever avenue or whatever mastery yep. you're pursuing, but, you know, just to kind of uh, level up your, your you know, your, your little human yep. uh, skill sheet. And uh, in yep. terms of that same skill sheet, if you look under uh, Blake's name and you look at his tag, he's a DM. He's a dungeon master oh. when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, beautiful segue, you know, host-like. Yeah. And we got to talk about them stat sheets. Yeah. Now, this is something that's completely devoid of esports, but something that, you know, Blake is, I would say, is pretty passionate about. It's something that you find uh, yeah. is, is something that you like. So. What uh, what kind of role has D and D played in your life so far? Is this something that uh, uh, yeah. you started from you know as a kid doing a lot of? Was this like the the beginnings of the escape mechanisms? Like what what does D and D mean to you? I, no, I would I would say that that's probably a fairly accurate thing. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was six years old. Oh wow! Um, I'm twenty I'm twenty seven now. My dad started playing it with me, and Very it was cool. probably it it was before I got any sort of video games, and it was functionally my first video game. <laughs> like that. Quite literally, I I wanted to play twelve hours a day. Sure. Every day. Like I was like, oh my god, I can be this other. I had my first character was a little. It was a child rogue called Timmy, uh, based on uh, Days of Our Lives. There was a little doll in there called sure. Timmy, uh, who is uh, kind of creepy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so I, I had a I had a rogue called Timmy, uh, and I would, I would do different things. And I was playing like like. The second, like one of the earliest editions of D and D you could have probably ever played. Mm. This is before, like where D and D is now is like five editions ahead of like what yeah. I was playing, um, and so like D and D was huge. In my, I actually had never dungeon mastered before until actually this year. It's like oh, I put okay. it in there because I started, but I was always a player and I loved playing. And even now, like even though I'm dungeon mastering now, um, I enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it as much as being a player. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's a lot of work that uh, goes behind like, dungeon I mastering. And I've, I've known that, um, and I I like. Because of the person I am, I like to do things like put people in moral moral choices. I like to give people moral choices um, with their characters, mm -hmm. which I find super probably because I like psychology. Yeah, that's, so this like, is all just one big test to you. You're, you're, you you have your lab coat on. I swear on, to God, you, it's, yeah. it's like it's like I get my own little lab yeah. where I can like I can put people in simulations. And they have no idea. That, they they love this. They think it's so yeah. much fun. Yeah. So little, little um, do they I, know it's going well, in a, a stat sheet somewhere. Yeah, so I I love I I've always loved D and I uh, I I played a lot of different uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons over the years. I think I played almost every edition. I actually role playing games in general I kind of enjoy. I played okay. other games besides Dungeons and Dragons that you don't really hear about, so like Shadowrun, Orpheus, sure, uh, sure. Boot Hill a little bit, uh, uh, Traveler. Uh, so I played a lot of role playing games, mm -hmm. and, uh, and for me like. Growing up for most of my life, like now you have stuff like Critical Role, which is like mm -hmm. a fairly popular Dungeons and Dragons stream with voice actors and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times that's becoming like a kind of a standard. And I like that. Uh, I like that they can do voice acting and it's a lot of fun to watch. It's almost like Very watching, uh, yeah. yeah, watching people cheat read like uh, plays or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and so, but like growing up, I never really did any of that. Like the, the actual like get into your character, do a voice. Um, I never really did that. It was, mu it was a lot of just like going in, rolling dice, and killing things, and mm. get loot. Like, go in, kill things, get loot. That was basically, I was like a child who was like, oh, I can have a ton of money, because I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I was like, sure. oh, in this, in this world, I can be famous and own a castle, and have uh, uh, servants who I pay semi-decently, and uh, me and my brother would do like, uh, uh, 
like we actually created like businesses inside Dungeons and Dragons where Very we cool. would uh, figure out how we would divide profits between the two of us as well as pay all of our employees and looking at like cost benefit analysis sheets of like <laughs> okay this is how much money we're bringing in this is how much we can put out like how can we how can we maximize that um, which is probably why I like business yeah. uh, a fair bit is because like early on I was I was doing stuff related to business right in uh, like Dungeons and Dragons even if imaginary where, it was still even, you know baseline yeah. you know fundamental business yeah so uh, I I mean I probably definitely learned some, like I definitely learned stuff from D and D like like that uh, uh, and like dealing with like. Uh, issues and dealing with emotions. It's a very actually, funny enough. My counseling firm actually utilized Dungeons and Dragons for therapy. Uh, I, that was going to be the next question. Like, do you think that uh, this would be a good team building exercise between you know uh, not a, players, you know, people that are in a yeah. group? Yeah. Uh, so what's kind of cool about Dungeons and Dragons is it gives someone the it gives someone a wall to kind of let their emo like a glass window so sure. they can let their emotions out but still feel protected because mm -hmm. you're you're role playing as something else okay and so what we would do with um like for groups for like uh, the treatment center that we worked at is we'd, we'd have them run a, a group D&D session um, and we'd go through and we'd put them through like different issues mm -hmm. and then we'd go back and the therapist would look at hey uh, look at these issues here, right? Or, or the group facilitators would look at like, why did you make this decision? Was this a good decision? Uh, to be fair, in the treatment center, we also forced them all to play good characters, mm, okay. um, which to some degree, to help them, because we want them to really role play. What is it like to be a good character? What mm. is it like to be a good person? Okay. What's your idea um, of a good person yeah. put into yeah. this you know, fantasy world? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that, I think it could be a very positive thing. Like if you're looking at like, uh, teams, I think it could be a very positive thing. However, anything that is related towards psychology buy-in is super important. Um, like how much people want to uh, work in it is very important. Anytime that you force uh, someone mm -hmm. into a situation, the uh, the amount of return you get is significantly less. Yeah. Okay, this is like the the like corporate. You can still get return because obviously I work with drug addicts who don't like sure. as much as they're in treatment centers and stuff. They don't want to be there. Most of the time they're court ordered and they don't want to be there. And mm -hmm. they're going there because they don't want to go to prison. Like, it's like, oh, this is better than prison. I still don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And if I could not be here, I wouldn't be here. But it's better than prison. So uh, anytime you force someone into doing stuff, the, the buy-in is significantly less. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the way that you approach that can also dictate the how much buy-in you get. Um, so like if, uh, like one of the things is very odd is, um, and I think this is where contracts have a long ways to go. Um, the way that contracts are kind of written, there, there isn't really like a clear description of, hey, this is what you're gonna be doing nine to five. Right. Okay, and this is the time that you can expect to get off. It's very kind of loose and it's up to the decision of the coaches. Um, I think if a lot of that stuff was more standardized, um, I think that your buy-in could be more. Like mm -hmm. if you know, hey, listen, once a week, no matter what, I have to meet with this person, it's part of my job and I'm getting paid this money because I have to do this. Like this is actually a, a thing inside my contract that says I have to do, um, that I'm getting paid to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is a, a lot more, um, like, it's a lot more, like, you've agreed to it. It's something you've agreed to and you're willing to do. Um, and so I think that that makes it a lot more easier to get buy-in. Mm -hmm. Bringing it back to the esports a little bit. But, like, yeah, I've definitely used Dungeons & Dragons, too, sure. uh, in, like, different groups. And I think it has a very, role-playing itself is a, a therapeutic technique 
that uh, can have a lot of benefits. It's just a lot of times people feel very uncomfortable and it's very hard to get into. But D&D kind of makes it a way to... uh, It's so completely divorced from what you'd ever experience that it's like, okay, I can kind of get into it. Like, I'm never going to experience a dragon or like going to an inn and buying and purchasing a room and like that doesn't happen. Like, I'm never going to experience that. So, you know, whatever. Like, this doesn't have any bearing on my life. So whatever. But if I'm doing some sort of like almost near realism, it's too close to home and it feels very weird. And well, you start to maybe even get in your own head a little bit like, oh, okay, this is like a little bit kind of scary or a little, little spooky. Like, I don't, I don't like this. I'm super uncomfortable. Like, let me, let me step away. So I could definitely understand that. But you talk about buying in and that being, you know, such a strong uh, signal to how receptive someone is towards, you know, yeah. mental skills coaching. Um, how do you, when it comes to esports, how do you try to, you know, r- wrangle a player into kind of buy-in? Is it is it something that you you try to do? Is it something that you kind of just have to, you know, leave up to chance that they're willing to buy in? You know, we, mm-hmm. we look at, you know, as a, as a report coming from like the Dallas Fuel, um, for instance, you know, they had somebody on staff that was, you know, there willing to, you know, talk to the players at any given time, if I'm understanding the situation correctly. Yeah. But it was up to the players to go to them, not yeah. necessarily the other way around. So is that a good situation? Do you think it should be more mandated that, you know, the players have to go? Is that a, like fighting against the kind of that the buy-in, okay. you know, kind of see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. So okay. okay, so this is this is where you really need to distinguish between therapy and performance coaching. Mm. Okay, like there's a huge difference. Like if you force someone to go to a therapist who's on staff, you're gonna like that is, especially because it's work. It's not like you're going to a treatment center where everyone is expected to. Sure. Guess what? This is this is you know going in that this is what's there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you third party the contract, I think you could still put it in their contract. Hey, listen, you're mandated to see this therapist. Um, here are the with that like in their contract it should very state listen we do not receive any information from this therapist they maintain all hipaa laws we don't get to know anything about what's going on here so it it reassures them that that is a sacred place where they can actually work on it if you're going to have a therapist it should be third contract or third party and through that okay like if you're going to do it that's the way you should do it um uh but like uh, uh a very interesting quandary okay is let's say you mandate therapy and this is very specifically therapy not performance coaching mm-hmm. okay a, a therapist has uh they have a, the responsibility to maintain confidentiality with their clients okay so what that means is if you were to go up to the therapist hey are you seeing uh are you seeing joe mm-hmm. what they would say is i can neither confirm nor deny any of my clients okay now mm-hmm. that, that brings a very interesting question because if they're forced to go, how are you ever going to know if they can't reveal who their clients are? Right. Okay, so that's where like forcing therapy becomes kind of a tricky situation. Okay, now what you can do is you can say, listen, in scrims, this behavior is an issue. Okay, mm-hmm. if you do not go and work on it and the behavior changes, we're not playing you. That has nothing to do with them therapy. That kind of right. forces them, hey, listen, they can show them the options. They can say, hey, listen, uh, you're going to a therapist here. Um, and if you want to let your therapist, uh, give your therapist permission to break confidentiality, maybe we'll play you sooner. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, then it's an agreement that the player makes to give up some sort of level of confidentiality. Um, right. But otherwise, if they don't want to do that, Right, and they can they can then dictate with the therapist how much do I want to divulge? Mm-hmm. Like, 
can you can I want I want to give up my my confidentiality of uh, how many times I'm seeing you. I want you to give them a report of when I'm seeing you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's all the therapist can give. Okay, but if they don't do it's like it's it's a lot trickier yeah. than just mandate. Seems okay. like it. A performance coach uh, doesn't fall underneath a lot of this uh, uh, the the confidence because it's not a licensed position, right? It's not mm-hmm. legally licensed by the state. Okay, and this is where like having someone their background is very very important. Mm. Okay. I mean, where they come from. So like, I come from mental health. I know what issues need to be going, need to be uh, recommended to a therapist, and I cannot handle them. I cannot deal with them. And right. if I try to deal with them, um, then it is illegal, and I could get into a lot of trouble for. And the reason for that is because if I start dealing with those things, and the person kills themselves, right, then you are right? responsible. Yeah, and so like, I think I think the best way to do it is you have a performance coach who is on staff who works with the players and staff uh, weekly, mm-hmm. right. And then uh, they can even like uh, talk to the therapist if they like to some degree, as long as there's confidentiality agreements signed um, to some degree. Um, like it, it gets kind of tricky there, but even then, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even do that. I would say, listen, these are the problems that I see. Uh, this is the problems we're talking about. Uh, the therapist is handling the therapy issues. Um, and these are the things here. And these are things we can do to kind of like, there are ways to get buy in. Like you do uh, behavior modification if you're willing to do them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if a player really wants to play, um, but they're being a dick, right? You can force those two different values to kind of force against each sure. other and see which one will win. You can say, listen, um, if you want to play, you need to start working on this aspect. And this aspect needs to be as important. And I think that's the big thing is teams don't make the the mental issues as important as actual gameplay. Mm. Right? They're like, it's like 30% of the value of like good gameplay. Mm-hmm. So we're willing to, we're willing to, to let a lot of stuff go on. And the problem is, is uh, anything mental is not something that is normally a quick fix. Only extreme sure. situations of mental issues are quick fixes. So you should be looking at little changes, little behavior modification over the course of a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, kind of like looking at this, um, it, it's kind of important to to have someone there who's monitoring what is kind of going on. Sure. And that's another thing is like, what is their stress level? What is their burnout? Like that stuff that you can monitor because maybe you want to lessen practice. Like, because if you burn someone out, uh, the value you get is significantly worse. Like, yeah, it's just bad. Can so you don't you don't want to do that. Yeah. You want to avoid that at all possible. And I think sometimes it's better to take more days off than it is to mm-hmm. uh, kind of go in there. But and so I think that a performance coach could be mandated. Uh, but then they're Looking not doing not therapy. Therapists. Right. Right. No. So and you should look at the behaviors, right? It's yeah. like guess what they're doing this behavior listen you're not playing unless you fix this we have this therapist here that we don't receive we'll any offer you the tools to do it but you have to seek yeah. out that we can't we yeah. can't mandate it because yeah. like yeah. you said it gets it's gets very tricky um yeah. when it you kind of combining two of your your great passions D and 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 vidya games um yeah. if you remember back in like the 90s or i'd say the early 90s D and got this very very kind of bad rap as being some yeah. sort of like satanic you know cultish yeah. you know very yeah. you know it was spun in a, in a way that i feel like is very reminiscent of how video games are being spun right now not too long ago i i was you know walking out in my kitchen getting like a glass of water or whatever it was and i turned and look and you know it was you know action seven news and here is you know is Fortnite ruining marriages find out more at 11 you know it yeah. just seems like video games are the next D D. Where, where it's just being spun in some sort of like negative light constantly um 
as a as a professional in terms of mental health and multiple different angles do you find that games are more positive or more negative do you think that there is a uh, is this a is this a touchy one uh it's not touch okay i okay so the problem with games the way that video games work to get people to like them is very much a, a slot machine kind of like sure there's bells course. and whistles that are going off okay yes can it be a problem yes mm-hmm. okay do i think that the 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 hurt outweighs the reward i don't like honestly no like mm. i don't know what is what is there i think that for me video games were a fairly positive life i also know people who literally their lives were ruined, ruined because they by, were playing definitely wow so i think it's <clears throat> like moderation is an important i don't think that you should we should try to ban things because i think it's a stupid way to go about it and i think that it generally yeah. doesn't work yeah i don't really like prohibition um <clears throat> i same thing with like uh what is it in the uk they were like we're gonna ban fortnite that yeah. recently came up um or they were looking at it i don't think that that is a good way to go about things generally speaking i think more education and having other Definitely. opportunities and kind of like a lot of that comes on parents okay like i think that a lot of times we like to shift away from parents being responsible mm-hmm. for children and i i wholeheartedly think it's more parents than it is the video game yep. um and what they do and if it becomes an issue or not because like video games were are, can be a very positive experience and they, they do show that video games can help with some areas of like studies and what you're mm-hmm. good at and stuff like that like there are some benefits to it um can it become a problem yes anything M- in excess, much in, yeah life yeah. can be a problem if, if yeah. you drink too much water you could die like and that's like an essential yeah. part of life so everything yeah. has to be taught in moderation yeah i so i don't i don't like the way things are being like approached like is this mm-hmm. like oh god the big bad Um, guy under the bed it's the video game monster coming to get you kind of deal i think it's just like that that feels like more people always look for something to kind of like blame like there's always something out there that they're like oh this is the this is the thing that's ruining our our children Mm -hmm. right or this is the thing that's ruining society i think that's that's one of them i think you saw it with uh other things like tv is another one like my parents talked about like you watch too much violence TV. or it, that was yeah. that's kind of where i was headed was you know violence in video games and it does that really have much of an impact to, to the best of my knowledge with the studies that i've looked at there is no court like there is no um causation between violent video games and that to the best of my knowledge for the video uh, the research that i've seen grant similar so. uh, granted you know this has been something that's you know been very important in my life for a long time so you know in my own very uh brief research i feel like there's more of a correlation between you know spanking your child and aggressive behavior versus yeah. actually you know having them play call of duty you know yeah. uh, for a good amount of time I, each week and then being i would agree with that because that teaches domestic violence like it teaches this is how you handle problems if someone is a problem we hit people like, yeah we hit people i i would agree with that i i think that that is probably a, a bigger issue i think there's there's better behavior modification yeah. techniques out there that you should probably learn um so uh yeah like I, I think that there, there like there is some small co- like correlation like guess what uh maybe some people who did some really shitty things like mass shootings sure, play video games sure. but there's a ton of people who don't mm-hmm. right like um I I don't like trying to blame our issues on a lot like a lot of it comes down to the individual mm-hmm. uh, and there are some things in society that do influence the way that like we approach things so you Definitely. look at like racism is a, a prime example of something that was culturally mm-hmm. uh, kind of accepted in the way that it affected people is uh as a whole uh, i don't think video games and violence is uh is ruining society i i think that it's something people want to point a finger at um 
whereas they could just look at parenting as being an issue and like the resources available for parents and uh what kind of like stuff we teach parents and how we how we work with parents mm -hmm. and stuff like i feel like that is a way bigger issue than like looking at video but video games is just something very easy singular yes. it's one thing yep. it's one variable that you can look at that people like to blame and i think that's what people do it's a it's a very you know new kind of change in culture yeah. that you know a lot of people regardless of age can point to yeah. and say is this is this the yeah. is that you know chief called is this is this the right thing i don't know like yeah. it's new we don't like it so we keep it away and we we shun it we demonize it it's bad you know it's causing all of these problems and if you do it you're going to be just like them and it, it becomes this kind of hysteria almost whereas at least in granted my personal biased view it's caused a lot of good i've, I've met a lot yeah. of really cool people i've created relationships that have lasted multiple years and i've never met them face yeah. to face you know so it's it's yeah. It's fostered a lot for a lot of different people, but that never really gets talked about. It's ruining the yeah. marriages. It's it's shooting up schools. It's it's yeah. all of these different things, and it, it feels a lot like the old D and D. Like it, it, the boogeyman's gonna come, you know, have your kid sacrifice goats in the backyard and yeah. become the next Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, it's it's it feels very similar there. And I wanted to kind of uh, just see what what, what your opinions are on that. People always remember the like yes. just humans in general. We always remember the negative significantly more than we ever remember the positive. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of it is like we just remember the negative so much more, and that's what we tend to focus on a lot of times. Yeah. Well, okay. Last thing. Why do you think that is? Yeah. What is there? Is there any kind of uh, study or anything that you know in your professional you know mind? Why? Why is it that we we harp on the negative and and maybe not accept or appreciate the positive as much as maybe we should i'm gonna go with my opinion because i don't know how much <laughs> i don't because so i don't Fair remember enough. how much this is based on science or not okay and that's 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 why i'm saying this is my opinion. fair enough fair enough the negative things are the only things that can ever hurt us okay mm. like anything that's really positive doesn't so like really a safety play thing yeah, I think a lot of, I mean, mm. like, if you think about, like, defense mechanisms in general, like, what people do when they react to something, it's because they want to protect themselves or some idea of themselves that mm. they have, right? So, like, if I call you out on being, hey, listen, Joe, um, I, I don't think that you're putting out as much content as you should be, right? Well, you wouldn't I, be wrong. I, but I've attacked you now, and so your brain <laughs> sure. might go into this, oh, we're being attacked. No, you're going to curl really up, be defensive, you know, we don't yeah. want to be vulnerable. Yeah, and so maybe it starts to say, well, sure. I'm putting out this this episode uh, each week, and I'm I'm starting to uh, do this other show, um, and it, I'm I'm doing more than I used to, and so it's all justifying. It's not yes. actually hitting yes. the problem, and so it's it's finding a defense mechanism to protect itself. It's like mm -hmm. I need armor for what's going on because we don't really have a ton of like there is obviously physical violence that still goes on. Sure, sure, um, but. In most people's lives, I think, in like everyday life, it's not like me or you are, especially video games, let's be yes. real. Uh, There's not a lot of play. physical violence. It's yeah. a lot of just emotional vulnerability. Yeah. And we don't want to kind of sacrifice that. So it's yeah. justification constantly, no, 100%. Yeah. So I think that most of the time it's that they feel uh, sort of attacked. And mm. so it's it's just, it's like it, it's a defense. Like when you see something extreme, like a mass shooting, it hits a lot of people. Sure like like right and they're like scared and they're like that could be me and mm -hmm. so it feels very dangerous and so because they feel very scared and almost in the state of like oh my god i could i could be i could be shot too right like i could be going to watch shazam right now and i could get shot because mm -hmm. uh, some crazy person is in there doing it they they want to find some way to make that feeling go away right and one of the ways you do that is you blame something you find mm. something to blame that is there okay and so 
video games are like he said it was video games the okay sign like right mm -hmm. like that's kind of going on the issue there uh, there's a lot of people who don't use that for a thing but because some other people uh picked it up who are white supremacists right okay they feel like oh my god like we need to be careful we need to not allow this because we want to protect ourselves mm -hmm. right and that's a very similar thing i sure, think sure sure no. how many people use that in a positive way right or, or just completely it, harmless yeah um and i think that we need to be very very careful about utilizing defense mechanisms like that because it mm. gets very the the line gets very very gray very quickly mm. and who's going to decide this and who's going to uh dictate this sure um and i mean blizzard has uh, uh obviously they have a total dictatorship like realistically they yeah. have a dictatorship um where they can decide whatever they want which is fine by them but it's just a it's a very it's a very scary line for me because I'm also a uh, huge proponent of like free speech. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like they have total dictatorship. They can do it if they want. I don't agree with it. Sure. Um, personally. Uh, but like it's, you gotta be careful about how much you're letting your emotions scare you away from things mm. like, and being able to talk about things and just like look at things and actually discuss things and challenge things. We need to be able to challenge things. Right. But if we're, if we're just avoiding things, you can never challenge them. Okay, if all you're doing is avoiding because you want to protect yourself, you mm -hmm. can never challenge an idea and actually see whether or not it's good or not. In that same sense, would you find that it's it's about challenging your own ideas more often yeah. than just challenging somebody else's ideas? It's about really what what do I think? Why do I think it? Yeah. And is it right or is it true or you know, yeah. trying to find a justification for why we thought that and maybe it's not maybe it's not the right look. Maybe it's not necessarily as as true as we once thought and no, I, I completely agree with you there. It, it yeah. challenging ourselves. I think we, I think important. we've lost that. Mm. I think we've lost the. A lot of times, I feel like we've lost the ability to actually um, listen to other ideas, okay. put ourselves out there, and whether or not we agree with them or not, like mm. just be able to listen to them and look at them and give our ideas, and then be able to retake those ideas in and shift them and be able to morph them. Feels, and this is a feeling. I don't know if it's sure. Actual. Uh, it feels like most of the time people get really stuck in an idea and they don't want to shift from it no matter how uh, how like wrong or right it could be and they mm -hmm. don't want they're not willing to listen where other people are coming from and how they came to that conclusion mm. and I feel I feel like that's like a fundamental project like and maybe that that honestly might be an issue of like internet like I'm not even like that yeah. might be an issue of like how we've used technology because um, so, it's just I can have my idea behind a screen and I can yeah. throw it out there and I don't ever have to get challenged and I can ignore anything that comes out there and I can I can find like-minded people who are just like me um, who don't have any deviation from the way that I think and it doesn't mm. really challenge you. That is I'm very cynical. interesting. No, I, I, I think it's, I think as, as we use it right now, technology is very much in a, in a way kind of in a, it's going to be kind of a stretch, but it's kind of like you're you're in a car with a uh, a subs not a substance, but a uh, a predisposed uh, ability to have road rage, right? And you're in yeah. you're in your car, and you don't really care that you know the other guys in his other car, this other person is just you know cutting you off, and you you fly off the handle, and you feel yeah. almost safer to do so because you're kind of like in this safe environment you know you're in your car you you, you yeah. know you feel so brave in your car just like how we you know keyboard warrior sometimes on reddit or on twitter or face yeah. facebook like we wouldn't necessarily say that to a person if we were face to face and maybe that's you know the next step is you know everything becomes you know snapchat and everything is maybe. video and it's and you can kind of get a little bit more interpersonal yeah. body language 
you know, readings going on. So it's not just you transposing your own um, kind of tone or nuance to what somebody's saying because we don't get to hear their voice or their intonation or their body language. Yeah. And, we, and we we impose what we want. Yeah, and bringing it back to esports, sure. like if you look at like esports, a lot of people are like like that. They're mm -hmm. in an environment where they've never had to learn like this idea of challenging or working with other sure, people. Sure, sure. Like that's like a, a. This is why I don't like comparing it to sports that often. It's because the the and I might get flamed for this. I don't even give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> so if you look at like the just the cultural environment of sports comparative to esports, very okay, different. You start off sports very early on, and you are forced to learn things related to other individuals and working yes. with people that you are not necessarily forced to learn inside of esports. Yes. And then. In esports, you work your way up and you get really good at a game by yourself, which is fundamentally all solo queue systems are about you and no one else. And you mm -hmm. pretty much, the, like the common thought is, guess what? You need to ignore everyone else who's on your team and the other people because they don't matter. Because uh, that's the best way to kind of improve. Uh, and they get really good. And then guess what? They get thrown on a team with five other people with the exact and now, opposite. now, yes. It's the now complete opposite kind of value system of, okay, you need to shift from being very individually focused to, okay, what's the best for the collective? What's the best for yeah. the team? And that's not, you know, fostered at the those are start of the games. game. Those, yes. those are different, those are different like lives. Those are mm -hmm. like completely different lives. And I think that that's, I think we need to, one of the biggest things that for like mental health in itself that we need to start to, I think, realize in order to actually prove what is happening sure. uh, inside like mental health is we need to have a very realistic understanding of where we're at. And we don't, mm. I don't like trying to uh, like, I don't like to try to paint this picture just because we want money. And that's what it feels like a lot of times. Like, if we relate to sports, if we act like we're sports, if we go in like we're sports, then guess what? People who are involved in sports with a lot of money are going to give money to us because mm -hmm. they want to invest in. And that's I, I understand that that's a business aspect, and if they want to do it for business, but I think for like the general public, we need to really understand what what is kind of going on, where we're at, um, and how do we improve from there? Because we have the, if we have this unrealistic expectation of where we're at right now, it's going to sure. be very hard to actually improve. Definitely. And so I'd much rather us go in saying, listen, these are actually problems that maybe we want to look at uh, fixing. That rather than being like, oh no, uh, they do do this, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay. What, where do we go from there? there there's nowhere to go like mm -hmm. you, you can't do anything with that um so that's that's like a fun to, and like what is cool is you got things like c9 right now sure which is actually starting up uh they have a, a youth program mm. which is starting to get closer to maybe what it might be like when esports has a multi like cultural teach at a young age yeah. how to work with teams at a, at a high school level even younger like a travel yeah. league level where we're teaching okay kids this is we're gonna we're gonna go into 5v5 team comp yep. you know queue and we're gonna practice you know yep. bot lane matchups in our you know jungle mid synergy and yeah. you know going at the fundamental level you know putting role models in place which i think are important yep. You know, as much yeah. as we like to, you know, meme on them, I think people... I think role models... Well, there's a whole theory of uh, psychology called modeling theory. And okay. this is actually true for coaches, too. Mm. Uh, like, this does not stop uh, at just a young age. This is actually true for, like, businesses and sure. the people that you, you put in there. They need to model behaviors. They can't just say the behavior. If they want mm. the players to do something, if they're not willing to model... It's like, let's say you want you want your players to go to the gym. Okay. If, if you're someone who just sleeps in and doesn't want to go to the gym yourself and you complain about it, why the fuck would your players mm -hmm. ever want to do it? And you're, you're automatically making it so they have no buy-in. 
you're making it so like, well, the coach doesn't have to do it. So why? why yeah, exactly. Right. He thinks it's stupid. Why should we? Like, you're literally going against, uh, like, like you need to be willing to model it. Like, that is like one of the most important things you can do is actually model the behavior. Because if you're willing to do it, they're gonna be, they're gonna, there's not gonna be a whole lot of things that they can use to try to justify or defend that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not giving them fuel to fight against their body wanting to work out, right? Because no one really, uh, okay, some people like working out. I think it's people are kind of crazy. <laughs> I fucking hate working out. Okay, I absolutely cannot stand it. Okay, but I do it, and I know it's like, especially when I'm like working with teams and stuff. I'm like, listen, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm. Um, we might not always like it, but it's what's best for us. And so sure. we're going to do it and I'll do it with you. Okay. And we can be miserable together if you want to, or we mm-hmm. can try to have fun. Like we can try to enjoy the fact that we have some people with us that we're, we're enjoying. We have, it's not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, we can enjoy each other's time together. We can push each other. Like we can find ways to shift the perspective. So it's a lot more fun and mm-hmm. it doesn't give them things to like justify things. It doesn't give them reasons why they don't have to do it. Right. Um, you need to limit those as much as possible in a team. And I don't, I don't know if teams do that uh, a whole ton. I think we could probably talk to the ends of the earth on this, but probably. you know, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It has been oh. an absolute pleasure coming, having you come on and, and just bantering about psychology and what is it? What does it mean? Are you know who classifies? Do you need a doctorate degree and all that beautiful nonsense? Um, but I do like to give the interview subject, you know, the last little bit of time to kind of promote and and plug or give shout outs to whomever, whatever. So, you know, my tiny little soapbox is yours to abuse and or decorate if you so choose to. So, uh, Blake, take it away. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, all underneath the the, the the end URL of the eSports DM. It's all the same. You can follow me on Instagram there, too. They're all the same. It's kind of nice. I do do a series called Deep Dives into the Minds of eSports, which I delve into a lot of the personal aspects of people involved in eSports. Has some really cool guests come on, like Anders Bloom, uh, amazing from League of Legends. Jake has actually been on there. Um, so check that show out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it is it is going to give you a more personal side of the people that you look up to every day. That is that is the best way I can describe that. Mm-hmm. It's going to give you a, a personal side of what's going on in people's lives. Um, other than 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 that, that's pretty much it. Just like subscribe to my YouTube probably or follow me on on Twitter. But uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. No, dude, it's it's been a blast. It's been you know I have a short list of guests that I you know this is this is just a passion project. You know I like to do this mm-hmm. because I like to like you know have chats with people. It's a great excuse to just sit and catch up. Just me and. Yeah me and somebody else or just learn about somebody that I'm not necessarily familiar with and, and just kind of get to get to know people and talk to people. It's, it's a, it, it is a, it is a passion project that, you know, there's like 10 people out there that watch this show on a daily basis, you know, kudos to you guys. You're cool. But, uh, this is very much a, a selfish thing. So I, I like to bring people on and just kind of like banter and, and ask questions that I want to know. And hopefully the viewers are entertained in some way. But, uh, yeah, episode, what is it, 17? I think so. Yeah, 17. 17, that's a wrap. Uh, Again, thank you, Blake, for coming on. And if you like the content here, go ahead and like and subscribe. Go check out Blake's show. It's fantastic. It's way more structured than this garbage. Uh, And it's way more interesting because, again, uh, it'll it'll get it'll it'll get some some feels going. It'll it'll cut deep. But it's interesting to get insight on those uh, on those people that we see often behind the desk or behind the computer screen and you know getting a little bit more interpersonal with them and, and really getting to know them a little bit more and I think Blake does that very well so definitely go show some love there to all 10 of you you know go go say hi go say hello like and subscribe to his channel as well and uh, we'll we'll see you in episode 18 thanks for watching and uh, again we'll see you in the next one